Welcome to this episode of WikiWalks, a short podcast devoted to some of the more intriguing and, huh, who knew, articles that you can run across in the weird world of Wikipedia. I'm your host, Chris Grismer. I've been called a lot of things in my life. That guy in the bushes, the man making a scene inside that rundown Arby's, the comptroller of the only remaining Mervyn's fan club in existence. But you know what I haven't been called? The only man Al Capone feared. That remarkable distinction belongs to Earl J. Weiss, known to history as Jaime Weiss. Although his actual birth name was Heinrich Wojciechowski, but that was too long for the episode title. I won't bury the lead here. Jaime had terminal cancer and didn't care if he lived or died. And therefore, that man always went into every situation with guns ablazing. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Heinrich Wojciechowski was born in present-day Poland. His parents emigrated to the United States in 1901, when Jaime was three years old, and upon their arrival in the new country, took the names of William and Mary Weiss. They settled in Buffalo, New York, and later moved to an Irish district on the north end of Chicago. He had four siblings who survived infancy and two others who did not. Things were tougher back then. According to his mother, he actually began life as a good boy. He went to work at 13 as a newsboy and gave her all his earnings. He progressed to driving a newspaper delivery wagon. However, Jaime embarked on a path of minor delinquency during his mid-teenage years. After he upset a fragrant shelf during a botched burglary as a youth, police dubbed him the Perfume Burglar. He eventually forged a relationship with Dion O'Banion, a Chicago mobster. It was through O'Banion that Weiss came into contact with Bugs Moran. The Northsiders frequently clashed with Johnny Torrio and the Jenna brothers, leading to the assassination of O'Banion in 1924, and Jaime took it really hard. The murder of O'Banion greatly incensed the Northsiders, prompting them to seek vengeance. The year 1925 marked a period of triumph for the Northsiders. On January 24th, Jaime Weiss ambushed his formidable adversary, Johnny Torrio, in front of his house. Although Torrio survived the attack, he was deeply shaken and decided to relinquish his business to one Al Capone with the fashionably named Chicago Outfit. Torrio later departed for Italy to recover from his injuries and eventually returned to New York where he became an influential advisor to Lucky Luciano and many others that you've seen in Scorsese films over the years. Weiss is credited with coining the phrase, take him for a ride, with the process of eliminating a gang member suspected of treachery. The victim in the front seat, his head an easy target for the gunman in the back seat. Oy, it was a hold to do. The Northsiders had successfully eliminated several of their major adversaries, dealing significant blows to their organizations, and by 1926, they'd driven the entire Jenna crime family out of Chicago. When Weiss's brother Fred was questioned about him in that year, he replied, When Weiss's brother Fred was questioned about him that year, he replied, I've seen him once in 20 years, and that was when he shot me, six years ago. Jaime Weiss ultimately emerged as one of Capone's most formidable enemies, rumored to be the only man who instilled genuine fear in the notorious gangster. On September 20, 1926, Weiss led a convoy of 10 sedans, 10 of them, past Capone's headquarters, the Hawthorne Hotel in Cicero, just outside of Chicago. The Northsiders subjected the entire block to a barrage of submachine gun fire. Over a thousand rounds were fired, attempting to eliminate Capone. Imagine that. Ten cars pull up at once. They all get out and start shooting. Crazy. 
Capone's associate, Frank Rio, pulled Al down on the floor at the sound of the first shot, and they stayed there until the shooting ended. Initially, Capone expressed a desire for a truce with the Northsiders, but Jaime rejected any notion of reconciliation because he was still angry about O'Banion being assassinated, and he blamed Capone. The man simply would not stop trying to kill Al. That's all he wanted in life. Consequently, Capone decided, well, he had to skip the idea of peace and go on the offensive, or he'd be the next gangster in the Obits. On October 11, 1926, as Weiss and four of his associates were crossing State Street to enter their headquarters, two gunmen suddenly unleashed a hail of buckshot and submachine gun rounds from a nearby second-story window. According to the Chicago police, Jack McGurn was the one behind the Tommy gun, along with Sam Golf Bag Hunt nearby, where police found his signature golf bag with a shotgun inside it after the murder. How Netflix has not picked up on this whole affair, I have no idea. A shotgun-wielding assassin who totes it around in a golf bag? Come on! Jaime and one of his men were instantly killed, while the others sustained injuries. The hail of bullets also grazed and damaged the cornerstone of the Holy Name Cathedral, situated directly across the street. The bullet hole is still there on the street level. You can even still see it on Google Street View. Crazy. Ten days later, a peace pact was worked out between the two rival gangs at the Hotel Sherman. The 28-year-old gang leader was said to have left behind a fortune of $1.8 million, again, 1926 money, Following his demise, Weiss was laid to rest at Mount Carmel Cemetery in the Chicago suburb of Hillside, Illinois, which, oddly enough, is where Al Capone is buried. So, at the end of the game, the king and the pawn both go back in the same box. It's believed that Weiss suffered from arterial cancer, which frequently caused debilitating headaches, dizziness, and fainting spells. Due to his illness, Jaime often remarked, I don't expect to live long, but I expect to live long enough explaining his fearless demeanor when confronting Al Capone. So perhaps a lesson for us all that it is far better to run afoul of a wise guy than a wise guy. <laughs> 